just straight up, here's my biggest gripe of the week, so you know that my life is fine. Here's my biggest gripe of the week. All the issues in the world, everything that's going wrong, everybody wants to tune in for a good time. Here's my number one gripe. I get so fucking hungry sometimes these days. It's ridiculous. This is, in fact, one of those times. You know, all of the whole, like, you got to heal up and you got to get your stomach going. You'll feel so much better and everything. This is just like when I lost weight. Everybody said all the good stuff about it. You know what nobody ever said? Nobody ever said be fucking freezing. Nobody ever fucking said anything about that. Not a word. Nobody said you're just going to be goddamn shivering like a chihuahua all the time if you do this. Never once did it come up. I had to find it out for myself. So the same thing with my stomach and healing, and that is I used to be able to fast for so long. Guys, I did a 17-day water fast. I know a lot of people claim a lot of bullshit over the internet. I swear to you. I swear to you. I've talked about this before. I did 17 days, and the only way I got through it by the end of it Actually, by the end of it, it was fine. It was like days three through six is where the hallucinations were. The only way I got through the rough-ass fucking period of, of a water-only fast, sitting, sitting at home alone uh, in the month of December, celebrating the birth of our Lord, Ozzy Osbourne. I don't, actually don't know what month he was born in. Uh, the only way that I got fucking through it is by watching the worst... Most gentle, most friendly show I've ever watched because it was the only thing that's like, it was so bland. It was the tapioca of television shows. And I just, I just put it right down. Just, just, it's the, it's substituted food. The TV show is called Eureka. You haven't seen it. Nobody has. (laughs) The cast of Eureka doesn't know what fuck happens in that show. Oh, come on. No, no, you have not. Really? All you guys? Oh, man. It's such a dumb show. Like, it's a show where every every other episode, they're like, if we don't stop this thing, it's going to explode and destroy humanity. And it's always done like, if we don't stop this thing, it's going to explode and destroy humanity. Also, would you like some pancakes? Like, it's just, it's just so weird. It's, it's just, totally speaking, they went as family-friendly as possible. It's very, it's, it gave me all kind of flashbacks when I was watching uh, Resident Alien. Because there's something about sci-fi where even if they have a shark filled with, tor- or a tornado filled with sharks. See? Now I want to see a shark filled with tornadoes. Oh, much better movie. Oh, fuck. Think of the size of that shark. Yeah, see, we already got the giant shark subgenre of movies, the megalodons and your, and your what have yous. Now we need a genetically engineered shark that shoots tornadoes. Yeah, yeah! They can't even sue. They can't even sue you if you do that. Ah, uh, we figured it out. This is just like when they figured out Splash. They were going to gender swap Splash to remake it because you can't just remake Splash. Because it's a little bit weird and creepy. (laughs) All of the stories that were so innocent up until a few generations ago that existed throughout mankind were some nymph 
or some creature would nakedly come into a man's life and he'd be like, no, I love you, and have sex with her. That was all fine for like 10,000 years up until 1992. And now you can't do Splash anymore. And I'm actually totally fine with it. I really am. But then a couple years back, they're like, we're going to reverse Splash, right? We're going to do Splash with Channing Tatum and the blonde gal from uh, 22 Jump Street. And we're going to make Channing Tatum the mermaid. And I'm like, oh, see, see, that makes so much sense. That's actually going to be fun. And then they never did it. And then they never did it. So these are my complaints. They never made Gender Reverse Splash, which I wanted to see. I'm hungry all the goddamn time. Sometimes I'm freezing. Sometimes I'm just, I'm just so cold. <laughs> I rewatched a movie and I thought, this is a pretty good recommendation for everybody who's scared of the news, which is what we're about to talk about real quick. This is a pretty good recommendation. Four letters, D-A-V-E. Watched it all by my lonesome, because I wanted to make sure it was good. Dave. It's the story of Kevin Klein, who is an everyman, just, just your every, everyday man. And uh, through, through convoluted circumstances, he accidentally winds up as the shadow president of the United States. It's a light comedy! It's very, very light, but Dave next door accidentally assumes a false presidency uh, and shadow government. It's very, 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 very light, believe it or not. It's the 90s. It's, it was a different period. You, you, you really could make movies where like a 10-year-old, like, you know, a movie for 10-year-old boys where they get blank checks could have like five fucking murders in the first 30 minutes. You know, it really was just a different period. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Dave, I, I recommend it. If for nothing else, Sigourney Weaver is fucking so good when she actually gets good material. They never, Jamie Lee Curtis and Sigourney Weaver are so good, and they never gave him like, good material, is my opinion. Like, they, they kind of shoehorned both actresses. Uh, but, like, Sigourney Weaver actually gets to fucking act. Uh, she's not just, like, reacting to CGI and puppets and shit. She actually gets to act in Dave, and she's so good. So that's the first thing, uh, is seeing Sigourney Weaver acting her tits off is a lot of fun. And then the, the big reason why I, um, suggest it right now is because if the news is scary, and you think people in power are assholes, and you think I could do a better job than this, or I know somebody that I wish was in charge right now, or I don't trust anybody... Dave's just a great movie, because that's what it's inherently about. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's kind of just a modern take of the pauper, who's an identical twin to the prince, gets put on the throne, and now he gets to make decisions. It's just kind of that situation, but a more modern, plausible version of it. Uh, and so what happens if every man is is thrust in the, in the command seat? What if it was you? I personally love that movie. Usually it sucks. Usually it's a King Ralph-level version with John Goodman, who's great, but... Not in that. And come on, do you really need a Ferris wheel in your backyard? What are you, the Pope? But, you know, I, I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun for me. Uh, and I... A lot of people have commented, you're doing very well with all the stress and, and trying just to be an entertainer and put out a good vibe for the rest of us, and we appreciate that. Any secrets, any advice, 
any encouragement. And the reason why I thought of Dave, uh, and I'm so glad that I watched it recently, is that I have checked largely out of the news. I do prairie dog up to look at social media and the news a little bit, but not much right now. I'm in my own little media and and hobby bunker that I've made for myself for my mental health and productivity. It's going pretty well. My little uh, fortress of solitude, as it were. But when I do peek up and look, because you got to peek up and look and you got to see what's going on, I got to say I got the most validating... It's a good time to not look at the news, but once every 36 hours or so and not that in-depth. I got just the most validating. I I don't recall ever seeing this before besides 9-11. So that's the level of media-like frenzy that I'm talking about. You know, once every 20 years, you see this level of media frenzy or so. Not since 9-11 do I ever remember looking at a headline where the headline clearly assumed that I had read the previous headline that the headline is talking about that story. That's real fucking rare that the headline's all like, and so, and now this part, right? (laughs) Headlines don't begin with conjunctions, generally speaking. They're headlines. They're not mid-thought. They're, if anything, trying to sum up a very complex idea, usually speaking, in as few and as small words as possible. They are themselves an art, believe it or not. And so to read a headline (laughs) that was in all bold and everything in the New York Times, this isn't like on Fox News or Sky News or some shit, you know, I didn't pull up, I didn't pull up Drudge Report and go, ah! This is <laughs> New York Times. I pull it up, and in giant, in bold, which is so funny to me because it's digital. So so the same thing that I do to make jokes and emphasis online about, like, vampire sex now is how the New York Times tells us, digitally speaking, this is, this is even more headliney than normal. So they bold the giant fucking headline, and it... And it was basically, I don't remember the exact wording, but it said something to the effect of, uh, nuclear power plant no longer on fire. <laughs> oh! Oh! There was a nuclear power plant on fire. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's happened in Ukraine. Uh, Russians fired RPGs, rocket-propelled grenades, apparently into the complex. It didn't get anywhere near the reactor. So I'm not particularly worried about Russians and nuclear destruction at this point. Kind of rooting for it, you know. (laughs) It's like Game of Thrones after they killed too many fucking characters. I liked them. I'm like, fuck it. I'm rooting for the dead. I don't give a shit anymore. Fuck it. I'm the army of the dead. I hope they win at this point. You know, I'm just tired of losing the good ones. We we really got to keep these assholes around all the way to the end. Turns out we didn't. Turns out we sure did not. (sighs) (laughs) So I'm not too worried about it, but it is that it is kind of fun that in one week... I know that other people were losing their minds with anxiety because they had not one, not two, 
but three in one week nuclear power plant threatening uh, headlines to contend with. First, the Russians fucked around with Chernobyl, and then the Chernobyl fucking radiation started spiking. Like, we're fucking playing Metro 2029 or some shit. I couldn't even begin to deal with that. Uh, I read that headline. I'm like, what? You're going to fuck with 30-year-old mistakes, too? What is going on? 35-year-old mistakes. Good God. Uh, so then this one, apparently this one's on fire. And then so I put in a Google News alert because I was all like, well, I'm definitely going to read about this story after the fact. So I put in nuclear power plant plus fire. And then hours later, I got a hit when <laughs> a fire started outside of a South Korean nuclear power plant. It's just a forest fire. Uh, it's just totally normal. So that's three in one week. And I got to say, if your anxiety levels go high if at the idea of nuclear contamination and destruction or war, bad time to read the news. So uh, enjoy that. I've asked several people that I know that are very, 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 very news-addled uh, and informed and all the rest, I asked them, hey, did you come across a good news story this week? In the last week? How about the last two? And guess what I didn't get? <laughs> Not a one! I promise I am fishing for drone dog rescues left and right. Uh, I'm not finding them. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I've already stilled myself for a little bit of heartache about a dog named Rambo in the Ukraine. Because, I mean, just think about all those elements together. And then, once again, I do think God is screwing with all of us. So, <laughs> you know, you add it together, it's kind of like Coco. I'm going to spoil Coco real quick, the Disney movie Coco. Of all of the Pixar Disney movies in, like, the last decade, Coco made me cry and emotional the least. What? How horrible are you, Jack? What's wrong? Are you racist against Mexican skeletons? That's not the point. Hear me out. I wanted to enjoy Coco. I like animated movies. I thought I was going to enjoy it. And, you know, I just got to say, I was already ready for one of, a lot of the emotional pain as soon as I find out there's a kid story set in the Day of the Dead universe. Okay, hold on. Hold on. A little bit of a, little bit of a hint. A little bit of a hint about where we're going just from the setting. All right? And I thought, well, you know... Kids, death, all the rest. Telegraph it, it's fine. Death can always be very emotional. But then, like, 15 fucking minutes into that, 15 fucking minutes into that fucking piece, they say, and they introduce the fact that the guitar is important and the singing is important. Okay, great, yeah, let's see where it goes. Come on, this is going to be fun. Could be better than Inside Out, at least. Right? And then they say that the song that's going to be important in the Day of the Dead universe is named Remember Me. Okay, I'm sorry, but there is a certain level of decorum that we're supposed to have as writers, okay? You, you, I, I, why not just say I'm going to kill one of the old people before the end of this fucking movie is the name of the song? Like, seriously. 
Like, why not just make that? Killing Grandma, the name of the song, it would have been as subtle. <laughs> hey, what's the name of this movie again? It's Day of the Dead, right? No. No. Okay, but it's said in the dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's about music. Uh-huh. And it's about a song called Remember Me. Uh-huh. What's the name of the movie again? Coco. Which character was Coco again? The really, 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 really old lady. So I just had... I was with somebody, too. I was high as a motherfucker. So I just had to watch 80 minutes of pretending that skeleton backstabbing was going to be interesting. Because, oh, man... I just, for the first time in my life, I felt like I was an adult watching or hearing my kids play the same movie over again, except it was the first time. Yeah, you can't, you can't watch the 1,000 best murder mysteries of all time and then do Coco, it turns out. But that's the only one. So I, I kind of sat irritated at, at Coco, a little frustrated at the murder mystery that I had accidentally solved before I met the villain. <sighs> that's, 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 when you've, when you've solved the murder before you've met the murderer, oh man, that's a bad time. It doesn't happen very often. Of the Baskervilles. But when it does, it stings just a little bit. Too much murder talk lately, but, uh, you know, that's that's what's been going on lately. Uh, boy, I, I, I am doing my best to just try and give you some comedy and spin some yarn out of what's going on. I've got, uh, I've got nothing. Um, after not ordering anything in uh, for two months is what it said. It looks like I ordered something in a little after bit uh, New Year's. Which makes sense, because of how much I was drinking. Uh, after not ordering anything in for two months, after previously not ordering anything in for, like, six months or something like that, um, I did, in fact, a lady in the night uh, threw me some bones uh, to order in something. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to get. I wasn't in the mood for sushi for some reason, and I've been enjoying everything. So uh, I actually just got burritos ordered in from a little shack, little little place in town, and, uh, you know, just not having to do dishes, not having to cook anything, having it show up at my door. I thought, this is fantastic. But then, I became the craziest person who's ever lived. Have you ever played or watched anybody play a game series named Dishonored? It's a silly series of games where... In the first-person perspective, somebody usually creeps around and either assassinates or hides from people. And the big thing about the game, I kind of can't believe it didn't really exist before Dishonored. But the thing about, you know, this game is to make you feel like you're sneaking around corridors and what have you, is there's a lean mechanic. And I don't know what it is, but Dishonored taught me how to lean. Before I played the game Dishonored, I never leaned. I never leaned. I never would spy around a corner. Why would I do that? But then I played the fucking game, and then for 25 hours or so, I was just entrenched with, like, going up next to a wall and then leaning slowly, tilting my head slowly past the door and be like, I see you. I'm going to steal all your money, even though it's worthless. I'm having an amazing time. 
So, I learned to lean. Now, when I order my groceries or anything that arrives or anything that my phone is talking about and I don't have to meet the person and go out front, I now stand. I have, I have a tactical fridge because of PTSD. So I have, I moved my fridge in my kitchen to a position where, <laughs> I'm so insane and I know it, where it's kind of sort of semi-blocking a door just a little bit. And it looks like I'm just doing it so that I can unplug it real easy for recording purposes. But the real reason it's there is because then I could just shift it in one little bit. Because I always thought if I was going to write a horror movie with a woman in a wheelchair, I was going to make her the smartest character that I ever wrote. And I don't mean smart like like an astrophysicist, but like she was already going to have a dolly underneath the fridge so that she could move the fridge even though she's in a wheelchair. Like, but like like, strategically move the fridge. Like, she's already figured that level of fucking shit and defense against the monsters out. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's what I know. All right. I know. I'm an insane person. I overthink, and I've been too lonely for too long. I'm trying to fix it. Just let me have just let me have the creativity. So long as I say it's a story proposition, you can't throw me in a loony bin. That's the First Amendment. I have not read the Constitution. <laughs> Or I did, and I stopped before the amendments, because fuck them. Tired of, tired of all you liberals hiding behind the Bill of Rights. <laughs> so the fridge is just a little bit uh, in the corner, just a little bit uh, in the doorway. And there have been a lot of gunshots and shit in the neighborhood and what have you. So if ever I'm having a PTSD-like fit, and like... Uh, the gunshots go off or what have you. I stand in front of the fucking fridge. I really do. I stand in front of the fridge because it's all like, because there's no chance a bullet's going to, like, you know, get through here. And I, I saw something on Twitter, I want to say, like five years ago. It totally freaked me out. It was a guy, like, FaceTiming himself or, like, videotaping himself. And he's just driving by this residential neighborhood. And he's like, you know, he's, 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 we see his face in the car, and he's driving, and he just fucking pulls out a gun, aims it out uh, the driver's side window, and just starts shooting as he's driving by random houses. And, I mean, it's not like a sketch or anything. Like, it was just a criminal piece of shit. Like, you know, who knows who knows where you go to be there. But I saw that, and I've never been able to unthink it since about, like, what the fuck? Of all the crazy shit that I never even thought about. Some asshole randomly, like, shooting for fucking likes or tweets or whatever. Oh, it never even occurred to me. So ever since then, I'm like, if there's gunshots or whatever, I just get up and stand in front of the fridge. Now, here's what happens, because there's not that many gunshots, and I hate wasting time. I now do something at the fridge. If ever there's a gunshot or something, I walk in front of the fridge. I open it up. I start organizing. There's paper towels on top. You know, I'll do a little bit of cleaning. I've always got my solution around. You know, I've always got some sauces to mix in there or what have you. There's this now, there's this little game of, okay, okay, you can step away from the fridge for five seconds. You won't get shot. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then go back so I can, like, change my condiments over, you know, you know, wash out a bottle or put it in the sink or what have you. And eh, that's how you use the PTSD episode when there's gunshots that make, that make me go to the fridge. I don't automatically have to go to the fridge every time there's gunshots, just to be clear. 
It's only when I have an attack because of it. This is the fun show. This is the happy one. <laughs> Does anybody recall why I talked about going to the fucking fridge? Or, or was there any point to any of that whatsoever besides it was just a horrible... Oh, right! Dishonored in the delivery and becoming a crazy person because of the burritos. Oh, my God. Okay. So I did all of this leaning out of this leaning, and I've got my tactical fridge that you can't really see around. Yeah? And so because of Dishonored, I now know how to lean just... I'm doing it now out of, out of just habit. I know how to just lean my head left. And when I get a delivery, I stay behind the tactical fridge lean my head left and I wait for the delivery car that can't see me through one of the many, many small windows to leave. And then I tiptoe out like a giant albino gremlin. I just, I, you know, the, you know, the creature that grabbed Frodo in, 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 in Moore's Deep in the first, no, not Moore's Deep, in the, in the Dwarven Ruins in the first movie? The big troll, that motherfucker. Like that, but like an alabaster version. And I mean, I walk just as gracefully, just... You know, I don't shave. I don't shower before I get a delivery or anything like that. And I just reach my giant, muscular, meaty arm out, and I just grab what I can, and I... Back inside the house as quickly as I can. And then you just hear all the locks... So I wait. I wait for the car to drive off so no one has to witness me and I don't have to witness anybody else. I mask up and everything. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you. There's Sorry for mentioning COVID for like two seconds. There's a fair bit of research that says when COVID's outside, it really does deactivate in the air and sunlight pretty quickly. So I do give it just a couple of extra seconds if I can. And I'm just, I'm hiding behind, I'm hiding behind the fridge. And I'm so excited. For these fucking burritos, right? I didn't pay for them. Not really. I've earned them. Everybody's giving me good reviews. Everybody's telling me they're proud of me. I'm telling me I deserve it. I'm going to go right back into my game world and eat my gamer fuel, my my saturated uh, things. I haven't had french fries in forever at this point. I'm so excited because the burritos are going to be covered with french fries. And I'm thinking all this. And the car's not driving off. And I've got a security light that I turn on. It's just, just hitting evening. And I've turned it on. So I can see when the light turns on and off. And it only does so if there's movement. And I've seen the driver go back to her car and get in it. And not to be rude, but she was a substantial woman. And the car was kind of tiny. So I saw the car... Shake when she got out and shake when she got in. So I know where she is. She's in a fucking car. I know where the burritos are. They're at the fucking door. And then it just stays like that. And it stays like that for a minute. And you know how I know it stays like that for a minute? Because I'm leaning in my kitchen for a whole fucking minute. And the clock, there's no lights on because obviously, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, do you think cave trolls use kitchen lights? What the fuck is wrong with you? And so the blue glow 
of the stove clock turns to a new digit, and that digit is somewhat brighter, and that causes me to look over and realize a fucking minute has fucking passed. What are you doing? You're ruining it. So I have my. F- I'm just. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I'm celebrating at this point. I'm playing a video game. I didn't think I was be able to play. I'm telling you, I'm real good. I've. I've got the. I've got extra weed in my system, and in my robe, I have what I would like to call a tactical beer. That is to say, an unopened can of beer that I keep in one of the pockets up front. It's very important to have the tactical beer. Yeah, it gets a little warmer than the rest. Yes, sometimes you forget it, but that's also really great because you're like, Oh, shit! Hello, tactical beer! I'll put you in the freezer for too long and make you explode. No matter, there's really no wrong way to use a tactical beer. You can drink it from forever. But, you know, sometimes you really need that next beer. And the idea of going back to the fridge or what have you is just not going to work out. Like, sometimes you're just on the patio, and you're all like, hey. And then the neighbor's cat comes by, and you're like, ooh, I'm going to watch the neighbor's cat for a bit. <gasps> ooh, if only I had a beer! <gasps> but then you do, and you don't have to go anywhere, and you can watch the cat. Tactical beer. I have in my robe, in one pocket, tactical beer, because there's a beer open where I'm going to eat the fucking food. I'm already prepared for everything. And then the other, my phone. So I pull out my phone. I'm like, is, are, are they DMing me? Or like, are we friends now? Sometimes, sometimes delivery drivers are like that. Sometimes, like, you know, the people who shop for you, for groceries especially, will be all like, uh, they're out of shallots. What do you want? I'll be like, yellow onion. They'll be like, fuck yeah, yellow onions are my favorite. My abuela, I gotta tell you, man, when she uses yellow onion, it's like, oh my God, Jesus Christ. We're not friends, asshole. <laughs> Two people opened up way too much on me on my shopping app. And so I, not only did I have to unfavorite them and like block them because I wasn't going to give them less than five stars. I'm not a mo- I wasn't going to not tip them or give them a bad review or anything like that. I just had to get away from them. Uh, they taught me because after the first time it happened, I'm like, well, that was just a strange person. After the second time it happened, I went into that app and I spent an hour studying it so I could do automated backups. So I would never, ever have to answer any fucking questions again. Never, ever have to get closer to anybody that I would need to again. I wait behind my fridge for you to leave. So I've got my phone in one. I've got my tack beer beer in the other pocket. I've only got two pockets. This is the maximum level of tactical ability I have. I'm looking at the phone... And the blue fucking glow from the clock changes again. Now we've shifted from a two to a four, much brighter for someone who's tall. If you're short, you're like, what? No, that's not tall. You're short. You have no idea what you're talking about. If you're tall, the four is much, much, much brighter. The four aims up. The two goes down. You understand. There's more light hitting my eyes. So... She's not moved in two fucking minutes. I've now scrolled through my phone messages. There was nothing besides the automated, the drivers coming to your door. Please keep using us. We're still losing money. There is nothing else happening. 
right? And I'm just sitting there like, you're ruining it. You're ruining it. This was supposed to be so special. You're ruining it. You're ruining it. You're ruining it. Why the fuck are you doing this? You're ruining it. And I realize it's a test. Because what I'm supposed to be doing right now is looking at the news. <laughs> but I have failed. I was not strong enough. And now... The one thing that I got for myself to quite enjoy has been taken away. And I realize this right as the car drives off. And I immediately, immediately become the happiest man in the world. Honest to fuck. Those two and a half minutes were so fucking long. And I'm still curious about what they were doing. They were probably just texting, probably just doing a phone call, probably being a responsible citizen or something. But my God, did I need them to leave so I could grab my burritos and eat them in peace. And by eat, I mean shovel down my gullet in giant rolls, like like a giant Swiss roll cake that you just kind of combine like a Play-Doh snack. And... And then, after the beer, and the stress, and the work, and killing it with everybody else, and having huevos rotos rotos the night before with extra chili sauce on top, all of that, Mr. Tums is still just fine. It feels fantastic. And the only problem is, I am hungry all the fucking time. Food tastes better, and I'm hungry all the fucking time. That's my only real complaints anymore, and I still got to push and push and push and push and push to not eat. Okay, last thing. Did anybody watch the original Saved by the Bell series? Not the first season, but later seasons where they're in high school. Did any of you know about Zack is a piece of shit? Have any of you ever heard about this? <clears throat> Zack is a piece of shit is basically just a plot summary of every episode of Saved by the Bell, but instead it just really, really focuses on what a creepazoid Zack is. Just how he's just a absolute racist, gaslighting scumbag. Just, like, it's kind of super fun because he's a 15-year-old who's teaching you lessons by what not to do. That's the whole point of the show. But something about just taking it out as a plot summary is so goddamn great and beautiful. It's almost like if you were, like, doing Adventure Time plot summaries and then just, but you were, like, really playing up, like, this show is weird. Like, yeah, that's the point of the fucking show, man. <laughs> they're not they're not holding back on it. They're dashing it on as hard as they can. Yeah, you condense it, it gets even spicier. It's true. <laughs> I just I remember, you know, like really wanting to be Slater or really wanting to be Zack and like it was that, you know, I was young enough that like a show about high school was coming up. It's like this is who I'm going to be. Uh <laughs> and so watching that was just a lot of fun because Zach is a gaslighting asshole the whole way through. Lots of main characters are. That's why you have to watch out. And every man who tells you ladies that they like Breaking Bad, 
you now have to ask some follow-up questions, unfortunately, because you have to find out why they like Breaking Bad. Because if they took the wrong messages from that show, you gotta get the fuck out of that fucking date and relationship fucking immediately. That's supposed to be funny, but I guess it's not, because nobody watched Breaking Bad here. Okay, that's it! That's what I got. We're not doing a show tonight. Just me rambling about food the whole way through. Right? <laughs> Don't actually break up with your man. Just mean character symptoms, a real thing. That's all. It's a joke. <clears throat> oh, man. I actually just got into this conversation about how how some TV shows start really slow and then they get good, but most of the really good TV shows start really good. And I'm just going to make my my appeal. Uh, I promise when the big bad COVID wave comes, I will be showing it on the server. I want to make my appeal for all of the women who have never seen it and are bored and have 1,000 hours to kill. Watch the first episode of Mad Men as a woman. You're not going to believe how feminine-centric that pilot is. You're not going to believe how attached to the female psyche that pilot is. I mean it, though. Of all of the great TV shows, only one of them really gives a shit about what women are thinking and feeling. And that's Mad Men. I love Breaking Bad. Love it. Skyler was regulated to a breakfast machine for two entire fucking seasons, okay? It's, it's a great show, but it's dealing with the male ego almost exclusively in every way. Mad Men, on the other hand, I kind of forgot. I went back over what was in the pilot of Mad Men, just kind of like refreshing myself, going like, was, was that all really in the first 40 minutes? It is. There's so many things about what's going on in a woman's life and psyche that they're intentionally going like, look how much better you have it, but still not that great. <laughs> this shit still happens to some degree oh. yeah should I just get on my, with my request that's my last plea if you're bored you want to watch something with some kick-ass women watch that oh I guess I need to talk about one more thing because it would be such a great show to recommend to you guys. It would make me sound so good and so enlightened if I enjoy it. I just watched every minute of a show that I hated pretty much from its inception all the way through. But it was the perfect kind of boring. And so I went all the way in. And I gotta say, man, like it's the perfect show if you want to be like, I'm still progressive even though I say fuck, fuck Biden and all that shit. Because like... Not only are many of the main characters women of color, or people of color in general, but women especially of color, and not only are they all like three-dimensional characters with real meanings and thoughts and all that, but they're also represented in a way that is like really sorely missing on media, and that is they're all leaders, communicators, scholars, they're all thoughtful people, they all have these really complex emotional situations going on. It's the kind of TV show that from that explanation, you're like, well, that sounds great. The name of the show is called Foundation. Is anybody a fan of this before I break some real fucking hearts? <laughs> okay, no one's heard of it. So again, 
of the main characters, two out of three of them are black women. And again, one of them's a scholar, one of them's a high, uh, high woman. It's all about space fantasy. It takes place uh, in the year 12,000, in the year 13,000, in the year 15,000, in the year 17,000, in the year 20,000, and we're only in season one. And it's all about <laughs> a found... Okay, I just... You tell me if you think that this premise is in any way fun. It's about a doctor, a doctor of math in the year 10,000. And one day he comes up with a calculation that goes, huh, society is going to end. Kind of, kind of interesting, right? I'm like, okay, all right. Tell me, math doctor, your don't look up calculation. He's like, okay, but I invented a new kind of math called psychohistory. Okay, now hold on, hold on. Those are not mathematical terms. (laughs) I invented a new kind of math called psychohistory, and it tells us for certain that the world is going, that human civilization is going to collapse, and all the planets, we're all going to go to a dark age, it's going to last, and my math tells us that's 100% going to happen uh, in 3,000 years. And everybody thinks this is the scariest thing they've ever heard. In their entire lives. What's the average human lifespan, you're asking? Apparently still about 70, 75 years, as far as I can tell, in the year 10,000. <clears> it's... No, no, okay, so hold on. That's not even like, that's, hold on. That's not like even the... Pre- so he says, I know that humanity is going to go blah, 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 blah. And everyone goes, well, can you prove it? And he goes, the math can. And everyone goes, well... Okay, so so can you show us the math? He's like, no, it's too complex. And so in the entire universe, only one person is capable of figuring out the math. <laughs> Besides him. <laughs> one of these women of color. And she comes, and she figures out that he's probably right. But her opinion is, is that math can't tell you something or not. Does that sound like a story? Worth investigating? Because I thought so. I thought, okay, there's two people in the entire universe. <laughs> they they agree on the math, but they don't agree on what it can say. Okay? All right. So they, so they agree. I'm like, okay, do you think that that's a fun premise to explore for another couple of hours? Because I did. Because the show didn't. show just immediately gets into the weirdest, craziest. It's like, that's just like, that's just like, uh-uh. Okay, we're done. We're out of the pilot now. Uh-uh. Now we're going to get weird with it. All of it's just an excuse to make Emperor Lee Pace, who is acting his tiny tits off, Emperor Lee Pace has to play a different guy every single fucking week because he plays a clone of an emperor Who's always and who's always the he's so good too. Who's always he has the most nonsense fucking lines that they make him say. He's not since pushing daisies. Can I imagine this guy in between takes like I'm sorry. You want me to say what with a straight face? You <laughs> you want me to say the whole line about. Her parts of her vagina coming back to life, but not the rest of her with a straight... Okay. (sighs) You ask for Lee, you get the Lee. 
That's right, pushing daisies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, like, cite the cheese fridge and stuff. Nah, I'm all about the reanimated vagina. Uh-uh. Give me five more seasons of that fucking show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's pushing daisies for you. You think I've described it in a weird way. I haven't. I barely just gingerly pushed you into it. So I'd only lasted two fucking seasons. Lee Pace was in it. He was dope. Everybody in that show was so fuckable. If you're bisexual, you'll never stop being aroused watching Pushy, pushy Pushing Daisies. <laughs> I, I know that. Because I'm straight and I wanted to fuck the whole cast too. I'm like, God damn, everybody is so pretty. Lee Pace doesn't even count as a man. That's why he plays an elf half the time anyway. He's never even playing a human being. It doesn't count. It's always an alien, an elf, a businessman in Silicon Valley. Lee Pace wasn't in the fall. Who was Lee Pace in the fall? <laughs> you freaking me out. Oh, wait, do I have the wrong thing? I'm thinking about the show with Gillian Anderson and, and Jamie Dornham. Am I thinking about the wrong title? That's The Fall, right? No. Is that not The Fall? Sorry for interrupting. I'm just... He played the bandit? Who the fuck is the bandit in The Fall? All right, all right. I don't remember him. I'm sorry. So Lee Pace got to do one thing in the UK where he... Was a human being. Good job, Lee Pays. I do think with that voice and everything about him, he does like playing supernatural creatures, like, very, very much. That or he's typecast. It's one of the two, but he's mostly, it's mostly like, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, can Matthew McConaughey do the opposite of a good job with this role? Get me Lee fucking Pace. Get me Lee Pace right fucking now. <laughs> Just imagine Matthew McConaughey is an elf or something. I'm just saying, the man has a range. He's got a particular niche. <laughs> Space alien, or like in the MCU or something. Tell you what, I'm gonna go to Earth, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna get to Earth and fucking... <clears throat> Alright, last pop culture thing. I got very, very high and I was going to sleep. And um, I realized... That of all the problematic things that J.K. Rowling uh, is getting, like, beat over the head with these days, people really have not accepted Muggle into their heart as probably <laughs> she was definitely towing towards a line a little too hard with the Muggle. And the only reason I say this is because I got real fucking high. I was passing out, and I realized, like, if someone called me a bitch-ass, muggle-ass bitch. Like, I would throw so many fucking hands. I would fucking grab a wand, grow myself four additional arms, and start throwing hands with all six. Goro plus two style. Like, you call me a... Fucking call me a muggle-ass... What?! <laughs> Uh, expecto arma hammer o Ah! A jar o Ah!
You know, there's a lot of kids going downstairs in the Harry Potter universe. I could be behind one of them. I could make Malfoy Malfall real malfucking good. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> What's, what spell are you going to get out of your fucking mouth when gravity's taken over? I don't think so. The mermaid in the picture did it. That's my story. Okay! Here we go. <clears throat> I want you to know one thing. You know how this is. If I look at the crystal moon, at the red branch of the slow autumn at my window, if I touch near the fire of the impalpable ash or the wrinkled body of the log, everything carries me to you. As if everything exists, aromas, light, metals, where little boats that sail towards those isles of yours that wait. For me. Well, now, if little by little you stop loving me, I shall stop loving you little by little. If suddenly you forget me, do not look for me, for I shall have already forgotten you. If you do think it long and mad, the winds and banners, the passes through my life, and you decide to leave me at the shore of the heart, where I have roots. Remember that one day, at that hour, I shall lift my arms, and my roots will set off to seek another land. But if each day, each hour, you feel that you are destined for me with implacable sweetness, if each day a flower climbs up to your lips to seek me, Ah, my love, ah, my own. In me, all that fire is repeated. In me, nothing is extinguished or forgotten. My love feeds on your love, beloved, and is yours as long as you live it, will be in your arms without leaving mine. Pablo Neruda, if you forget me. <clears throat> the time will come, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome, and say, sit here, eat, you will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, and who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your image from the mirror. Sit, feast on your life. Love After Love, Derek Walcott The cliffs may seem magnificent, but the truth is the cliffs are only there because the sea 
has withheld them, whittled them down over time, the water weathering and wearing against the rock. From this I learn that no matter how large my problems are, or how big they seem, if I work on them every single day, they too will be worn as can be. Weathered, Nikita Gill, G-I-L-L. Smokey the bear heads into the autumn woods with a red can of gasoline and a box of wooden matches. His ranger hat is cocked at a disturbing angle. His brown fur gleams under the high sun as his paws, the size of catcher's bits, crackle into the distance. He is sick of dispensing warnings to the careless, the half-wit camper, the dumbbell hiker. He is going to show them how a professional does it. Flames by Billy Collins I have just said something ridiculous to you, and in response, your glorious laughter. These are the days the sun is swimming back to the east, and the light on the water gleams as never, it seems, before. I can't remember every spring. I can't remember everything. So many years. Are the morning kisses the sweetest, or the evenings? or the in-betweens. All I know is that. Thank you. I Have Just Said by Mary Oliver <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. After saying, I'm, you know, I don't want to focus on the news or anything, fucking Pastepin is fucking throwing Ukrainian peace messages at me, which I'm all for, but I don't want to get distracted as I go from poem to poem to poem. So, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry, impatient, tired, anxious, or scared. When I was a vacation from myself. I'm sorry that I called you lazy. Sorry that when you've been met with kind words, I've twisted them to see all the ways they could be cruel. I'm sorry that I've not always been a great friend to you. That sometimes when you stand in front of the mirror, I list the things I wish I would change. The season has been hard. But each spring we witness the earth digging itself up again, growing beauty where once there was none, reminding us over and over again, no matter how frozen the ground, no season lasts forever. Dear Me by Hannah Rosenberg well, that was very powerful. Uh-oh.
What the heck? Come here. No, you don't. Ha-ha! Try and tell me to stop war, will you? I'll show you. <clears throat> I don't even watch war movies. You understand? I don't even watch war movies. Real war is even scarier. They threw a missile through an apartment complex, man. All I can think is, like, should have had a tactical fridge. Let's stop that shit just immediately. <clears throat> First, are you your sort of a person? Do you wear a glass eye, false teeth, or a crutch, a brace, or a hook, rubber breasts, or a rubber crotch? Stitches to show something missing. No? No? Then how can we give you a thing? Stop crying. Open your hand. Empty. Empty. Here's a hand to fill it with, and willing to bring teacups and roll away headaches and do whatever you tell it. How will you marry it? It is guaranteed to thumb shut your eyes at the end and dissolve of sorrow. We make new stock from the salt. I noticed you are stock naked. How about this suit? Black and stiff, but not a bad fit. Will you marry it? It's waterproof, shatterproof, proof against fire and bombs through the roof. Believe me, they'll bury you in it. Now your head, excuse me, is empty. I have the ticket for that. Come here, sweetie, out of the closet. Well, what do you think of that? Naked as paper to start, but in twenty-five years she'll be silver, in fifty, gold, a living doll everywhere you look. It can sew, it can cook, it can talk, talk, talk. It works. There's nothing wrong with it. You have a hole, it's a poultice. You have an eye, it's an image. My boy, it's your last resort. Will you marry it? Marry it? Marriott. The Applicant by Sylvia Plath. <clears throat> wow. Uh, I, I, I don't know her by name. I was just wowing because she almost made it to the Century Club and in the 1700s. So, well done. Here we go. A woman in the shape of a monster, a monster in the shape of a woman, the skies are full of them. A woman in the snow among the clocks and instruments or measuring the ground with poles in her 98 years to discover eight comets. She whom the moon ruled like us, levitating into the night sky, riding the polished lenses, galaxies of women, there doing perchance for impetusness, ribs chilled in those spaces, and the mind an eye, virile, precise, and absolutely certain. From the mad webs of Uranusborg, 
encountering the Nova, every impulse of light exploding from the core as life flies out of us. Tico whispering at last, let me not seem to have lived in vain. What we see, we see, and seeing is changing. The light that shrivels a mountain and leaves a man alive. Heartbeat of the pulsar, heart sweating through my body. The radio impulse pouring in from Taurus. I am bombarded, yet I stand. I have been standing all my life in this direct path of battery, of signals, the most accurately transmitted, most untransmittable language of the universe. I am a galactic cloud so deep, so involuted, that a light wave could take fifteen years to travel through me, and has taken, I am an instrument in the shape of a woman, trying to translate pulsations into images. For the relief of the body and the reconstruction of the mind. What the fuck? Seriously? Oh, okay. All right. All right. I was going to say, there's no way that could be from the fucking 1700s. It's not. Okay. Planetarium by Adrian Rich. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, come on. There's some words in there she could have used, but there's no way she would know the word galaxies like that in the fucking 1700s. No way. Because <clears throat> I know how to party, and I know how to have a good time. I got a, a series of, uh, <laughs> I got a series of, uh, documentaries on people who invented germ theory. <laughs> Again, I know how to celebrate and have a good time. Uh, and I gotta say, they never really taught us about Louis Pasteur in school. Like, they taught us about pasteurization, but that was about it. I'm just real quickly going to go off because we're talking about, like, you know, people who are badass and who do things way advanced ahead of time uh, in the 17 and 1800s because that's what I thought this woman had. So Louis Pasteur invents the first known manuscript for germ theory. He, he's the guy who comes up with here, there's these tiny animals. We're just going to call them germs. We can prove that they're in there uh, and they're making everybody sick. And then when Louis Pasteur came up with germ theory, there were two kinds of opposition camps. And one of them was very scientific and very reasonable. And it was like, okay, we accept that there's germs and that there's tiny animals. Why is that making people sick? Are you kidding me? How can that possibly make any sense? What are you talking about? You just said there are these tiny, tiny, tiny little creatures and that they're everywhere. If they're everywhere and they're tiny, how are they making people sick? doesn't make any sense to us. The other half of the observation of, of the opposition, though, that would call him up and, like, insult him publicly and talk about his book were people going, Excuse me! <laughs> Excuse me! This man says because he boiled that solution and then put it in a flask that was airtight that what he did was kill all the tiny little animals in there. Uh, that's nonsense. As we all know, what he actually did was destroy the life force. Uh-huh. Absolutely. The miasma that was inside the solution to begin with, he altered it with fire. 
This is the mid-1800s, and these were educated people. And Louis Pasteur not only had to endure their dumbasses when they were talking about miasmas and life forces in the mid-1800s, he had to come up with an answer to tell them why they were all so stupid. And so he had somebody invent a flask that got tinier and tinier. Think of like how tiny a straw is, but its, it's, it's beaker end got tinier and tinier until at the end there was barely any width whatsoever. And he also had it curl around like a giant crazy straw so that oxygen would get real slowly in, real slowly creating the reaction and all that sort of thing. So he gets somebody to make these who's not a scientist, just a glass blower. He designs it himself. He makes the flasks. He does the boiling experiment again, and people are starting to be convinced, but they still don't buy it, even though he's showing them the fucking flasks. He's showing them the equivalent. One oxygen, one not. Look at the growth, the lack of, all that whole thing. And so the only thing that he can fucking think of at the end, after being called to basically court several times, is he starts clipping the fucking edges off and then be like, look, assholes! Look! God damn you! Look, it's getting, it's now! I cut the top off, the oxygen's going in, look, it's happening now! It's happening right before your eyes! And the only reason why, I, as far as I can tell, the documentary lays this case down, the only reason why he gave a shit, because he's at this point very sick in his life, he's had seizures, he, he's having trouble walking around, he, he would have been in a wheelchair in modern times, but they didn't you know, want him to look proper uh, back then, so they, you know, they were just carting his body around and shit. <clears throat> the only reason why he cared, because he was making bank, he's making bank in industry, the reason why we know Pasteur is because all these industries kept like, like calling him up because he could figure anything out, they're like, hey man, can you make, chemis- can you make fertilizer twice as potent? He's all like, sure. What the fuck not, man? It's just chemistry. And then he would. So he's making bank and he's having fun and all these people love him. He's winning all these awards uh, in France. The only reason why he kept going back, besides pure ego, is he just kept losing children to disease. He, he starts off losing one right at six weeks and then he loses a daughter at like 17 years and then his son gets sick and he's just so pissed off at disease. And he invents new sciences to preserve life. Oh, man. Everything that I enjoy about learning about the 1800s and how much medicine changed at the beginning and end of the century is so much fun for me. And there are so many guys like Pasteur who are not doctors or not involved in medicine in any way. And they're just like, look! Look! <laughs> so i thought that this woman might have been like an astrological version of like a pasture or something who's just like that advanced when it came when it comes to one particular science which is applied chemistry just an absolute super genius uh of applied super chemistry no one ever taught me any of that shit in uh, american schools at all at all they taught us about the milk all right They'll grow between you and me, the mountains. Wide and vast, the rivers of stone will drag its riverbed to the opposite banks, will shipwreck boats and bridges. 
The jungle will rise above us over this city and leave it its paths only, the saddened echo of the wind's murmur. For me, you'll be the long absence of my absence. For you, I'll be the surf of a sea dissolving. Such yearning disguises my appearance. My pallid face watches you indifferently. My entreaty for a chance made of silence. Night trapped among my vertebrae. Immune like the fog, your voice will be the song of other travelers. Definitive by Melissa Soma, S-A-U-M-A. Yes, I prefer the peripheral because it limits the vision. It does focus my attention. Direct looking just is too much killing of the moment. Looking oblique littles in the moment is many helpful moments. Moment, moment, moment. Moment kept in moment. And now moments of nonsense word. Peripheral by Hannah Emerson. I have always been obsessed with people, whether or not I know them. Obsessed by our knowledge of each other, the quality of connection, our friendship, or non-friendship, is relation to other connections. Obsessed by the way a new connection can change pre-existing ones, reorder them, renew them, fine-tune them, or disappear them. By the light pressure of an other's existence, which in turn grows me. Obsessed by memory and lack of memory for the way things were, I don't think I'd recognize you if I saw you on the street, though in the past, so obsessed, I thought almost everyone was you. Obsessed with leaving people so I can obsess about them again. By thinking with and through people, dead and alive, without whom I'd be a different person, think different thoughts, each obsessed with the version of me I don't know. Walking around having met different people, thinking different thoughts, moving in a different way, away from the people and towards the self, or the desert, or the sea, or the god, or the page or the mountain, or the canyon, or the forest, or the dark. Poem Towards People by Ariel Yellen, Y-E-L-E-N. Funny that it ends on an ellipses, and her name is Yellen. <clears throat> All right, it's our last poem for the night. Really great poems. Thank you to everybody who sent one in. Nice variety, some classics, some lovey-dovey, some strange ones, some very interesting ones to read. Know that I appreciate Cinnamon in, especially if you're listening to a recording of this. Okay. In his new poem, 
The red autumn woods are a metaphor for leftist martyrs. We are traveling east through a maple forest that blazes the hillside on both sides of this winding backcountry road. Look at the trees. I want to tell him. Listen. The trees have their own stories to tell, like the story of the fire deep within the heart. They, too, have been martyrs in the long war against the land, a nation cut down, children denied. A hundred years ago, these hills were bare of trees, the stone walls that wind through them, the illusion of ownership. Now the hills are red with maples. My heart is leaping out to meet them. My eyes cannot be full enough. Though acid falls on the clouds, maples have gathered on the hillside in every direction. See how they celebrate. They are wearing their brightest dresses. Come, sisters, let me dance with you. I offer you a song. Let me paint it with red and passion. You are all the women I have ever loved. Red by Cheryl Savage. Savage? Gosh. S-A-V-A-G-E-A-U. All right. Fun. Love letters. I can't improv a second line, but I'm feeling fine. Hope you are too. I read them. You're creaming. Sorry for that. Now, time for love letters. This is the show part two. Okay. I've discovered that because Moon River is so few syllables and so slow that you can just improv anything. Like, the song's not going to be good, but you can literally, like, any, you can do anything. Somebody, somebody give me something in chat right now because, like, seriously, Moon River is the perfect song to sing improvisationally. You have so long to come up with what you're going to do the next fucking line. It's so fucking good. Boss, baby, sorry, Alec Baldwin. I heard it's not much of a win. It's a bad show. Oh, was it a movie? I know it's a show too, right? You can do both in that, right? And then and she gave me three syllables. It doesn't have to be three syllables. It could be any topic. Like, you could just be like Russia. You can be like, Those mortars flying through the city. Right? Like, you just do anything. It's so slow. There's so few syllables. Once you know what you're locking in on, you... There's no other song like it. I don't think I've ever come across. It's the slowest fucking song just keep that in mind if you ever just need to ever just need to pad something out <laughs> i want my rapscallion lee my rapscallion lee fellow vagabond i want my dark lady <laughs> 
I want my angel. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. I I didn't realize I was gonna be doing Elden Ring, uh, on stream. Just give me a second here. Got to reset. I didn't know you could you could make Rapscallion an adverb. <laughs> That's a new one on me. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I want my Rapscallionly fellow vagabond. I want my dark lady. I want my angel. I want my tempter. I want my Freya and her apples. I want the lighter of my seven lamps of beauty. Honor, laughter, music, love, life, and immortality. I want my inspiration, my folly, my happiness, my divinity, my madness, my selfishness, my final sanity and sanctification, my transfiguration, my purification, my light across the sea, my palm across the desert, my garden of lovely flowers, my million nameless joys, my day's wage, my night's dream, my darling, and my star. Love letter from George Bernard Shaw to Stella Campbell. Oh no! Oh no! The first line really, the first line really tugged at my heart. Let's see how we go. Oh baby, I asked for different kind of love letters. I can just feel it. Here we go. My dog Squish has recently discovered the art of bone burying. Whenever I give her a bone, she will spend a good hour or so looking for the perfect burying place. The order typically goes something like this. Under the couch cushion. Under the couch. Under the kitchen broom. Under the bedroom curtain. Under the living room plant. Behind the guitar. Behind the suitcase. Under the chair. And then finally, always... She eventually decides to bury the bone under me. Wherever I am sitting in the house, she will find me, jump up in the chair with me, and start burying the bone under one of my thighs. After that, every time, she jumps down, gives me a satisfied look, and then falls asleep on the floor. Lately, I've been spending a good part of nearly every day thinking about love. Romantic love. The kind of love that involves French kissing and mixed tapes and spooning in New York City in the summer when it's by most people's standards too disgustingly humid to spoon. The kind of love you want to bring home on your grandma and say, Grandma, look at this love. Just look at this love. Lately, I've been thinking about who I want to love, and how I want to love, and why I want to love the way I want to love, and what I need to learn to love that way, and who I need to become for the kind of love I want to be. And when I break it all down, and when I whittle it into a single breath, it essentially comes out like this. Before I die, I want someone's favorite hiding place the place that they can put everything they know they need to survive, every secret, every solitude, every nervous prayer, and be absolutely certain I will keep it safe. I will keep it safe.
Bone Burying by Andrea Gibson. Cat. My cat. If only you would write to me, my love, oh cat. This is not as it seems from the address above, a dive, a joint, a saloon, etc., but the honorable and dignified headquarters of the Dons of the University of Chicago. <laughs> I love you. That is all I know. But all I know, too, is that I am writing into a space, the kind of dreadful unknown space I'm just going to enter. I'm going to Iowa, Illinois, Idaho, Indiana. And these, though misspelt, are on the map. You are not. Have you forgotten me? I'm the man that you used to say you loved. You used to sleep in your arms. Do you remember? But you never write. You are perhaps mindless of me. I am not of you. I love you. There isn't a moment of any hideous day when I don't say it to myself. It will be all right. I shall go home. Caitlin loves me. I love Caitlin. But perhaps you have forgotten, if you have forgotten, or lost your affection for me, please, my cat, let me know. I love you. Love letter from Dylan Thomas to his wife, Caitlin. I, because the last one was about a literal dog, I thought that was literally about cats for a bit too long. Okay. <clears throat> I already love in you your beauty, but I am only beginning to love in you, which is eternal and ever precious. Your heart. We did this one last week, didn't we? I'm positive we did the Tolstoy. Positive, we just did the Tolstoy. <clears throat> Off you go again alone. And it's with a very heavy heart I part from you. No more kisses and tender caresses for ever so long. I want to bury myself in you, hold you tight in my arms, make you feel that intense love of mine. You are very sweet in my life, sweetheart. And every separation gives such endless heartache. Goodbye, my angel. Husband of my heart, I envy my flowers that will accompany you. I press you tightly to my breast, kiss every sweet place with tender love. God bless and protect you, guard you from all harm, guide you safely and firmly into the near year, new year. May it bring glory and sure peace and the reward for all this war has cost you. I gently press my lips to yours and try to forget everything. Gazing into your lovely eyes, I lay with your precious breast, rested my tired head upon it still. This morning I tried to gain calm the strength for the separation, 
Goodbye, wee one, lovebird, sunshine, huzzy mine, and my own. Uh, I'm sorry, you probably heard me not commit to that one 100%, and that's because I knew what it was before I got to the end. I have read it before, and it's from Tsarina Alexandra to Tsar Nicholas II. So what is going on where all of a sudden Russia's fucking declaring war and now people are having me read love letters that make the Russians sound great in the wars that they're having? Because I don't remember ever having to read it. And then all of a sudden Russia declares fucking war and now there's two, two weeks apart. Just saying, like, is it on people's minds? Or is this... (laughs) I I can't be worthy of a Russian disinformation campaign, but, like, what the hell? <laughs> Come on! This is not the time for Russian love letters, especially if they mention war, don't you think? All right. I read your requests, and sometimes it irritates me. Even though I ask for them, I hope that's not too much. It's, it would be weird. It's just like, you know, if France all of a sudden was invading some fucking country, which is already kind of a funny image, and then all of a sudden you're all like, well, I know I want to hear some Napoleon love letters tonight. Read the room. Not the right time. (laughs) It's a great time to pull up a letter where Napoleon's all like, wow, I hate all this killing and shit. Oh, man, isn't that terrible? Oh, wow. My, I, it's real bad. Oh. See? You just made me crack my neck. Mm. Mm. Well, if you, if you can't be satisfied in everything you do in life, you can at least be satisfied with your neck cracks. Popping everything now to get nice and relaxed, kind of reset for you guys. So somebody asked me on the podcast recently, do you have any pet peeves? Apparently it's Russian love letters in the midst of a war. But I promise you, it's any love letters from the aggr- on the aggressor side during a war. I'm anti-war. I'm real against it. <laughs> Can I totally bum everybody out with some analysis that I did real quick on, on, uh, on the Russian death uh, amount so far? So I, I had to I had to look this up to make sure because I got the Russian population wrong on a podcast last year, pretty wrong. Uh, I, I normally like being right about this fact. I just have to do I just have to say, I haven't seen this analysis anywhere, not that I've been looking all that much, but I did look it up. And from a US uh, official uh, unnamed, they say about 8,000 Russians have died so far in the Ukrainian invasion, about 8,000 so far. That's a lot as a big number, but I just want to go over something. The Russians invaded Afghanistan essentially in the 1970s, for essentially the decade of the 70s. And they had a population of around 250 million when they invaded Afghanistan for a decade. The invasion of Afghanistan and the resources that were lost there and the people that died there is largely seen as one of the major downfalls of the entire Soviet Union and why Russia in particular really suffered in the 90s, okay? Those 15,000 people that died in the 70s, with Russia having a population of about 250 million people. Russia today has a population of about 140 million, and it already has at least 8,000 dead in one week in the Ukraine. 
which means as a percentage of total population to soldiers, Russia has essentially already lost as many people relative to the people back home in one week as they did in Afghanistan in a decade. Yeah, interesting times indeed. <laughs> and why I'm so fucking into Elden Ring. Because if I'm gonna have something like really aggravating wedged up my ass, I at least want to get points for it. I do. If I'm gonna get slapped around by giant dark forces, I at least want to level up. <laughs> Hey, it's just like BDSM. It's totally okay that you're going to slap me around. How are you going to make up for it? Real life doesn't. Video games usually fucking do. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You got to the end of the hallway. Here's 10% poison resist. Come on, you heard it. Since it's been a while, I am very happy to do this one, and thank you to whoever requested it, because, again, it has been a bit since we have done something like this on the show, so thank you very much. Here we go. I feel fully reset. Thank you, everybody, for just being a friend of mine, coming out, telling all the friends and all the rest. I'm starting to feel like a real showman again, starting to feel like that breath control is really coming back and uh, coming out and just doing the whole burlesque thing really does feel quite good. Uh, so, to have this requested, really quite enjoyable. Here we go. <clears throat> hey, Steph, you listening? Tom's stocky frame leaned into the side of her cubicle. Stephanie secretly hoped it would buckle and send him to the floor. Yeah, sorry. Her voice came out so quietly he had to strain to hear her. She tucked a small tuft of her mousy brown hair behind an ear. You really need to pay better attention. You're not going to get very far in this company. He took a long sip of his tepid coffee. Anyway, I'm going to need both those financial reports on the ILP acquisition by Friday. Stephanie blinked, looking visibly confused. But I thought those were supposed to be yours and Steve's responsibility. He coughed. Yeah, well, Steve and I are going to be working on a new restructuring internally, and those new hires, we need them to be trained, so we're going to be too busy for it, and uh, they need it done ASAP. Uh, I've already got so much going on, though. I have to get out the entire department's budget report before the 15th, and Tom cut her off. Steph, you're doing it, okay? I don't want to get Bill involved. You know how he feels about not being a team player. She sighed. Yeah. Okay. Great! He smiled and began to walk away. You know, you might want to try a little bit more makeup. What around the office is, you're looking a little sick. My wife just got this new stuff online. It looks great! He waddled off around the corner. She hung her head. Why can't I just tell that prick no? Suddenly her phone lit up. She smiled. It was Nathan. So many names. I really hope that there's not a quiz after this. Anne, I thought I'd come over and make dinner tonight. I'm thinking Mexican. 
He's such a sweetheart. Sounds great. I'll see you tonight. She put her phone down and looked at her computer. Nose to the grindstone, she guessed. Okay, that's such bullshit. Just author's note, because we're taking a little bit of a break. Author's note. Definitely don't believe that she's an actual woman, because if you say to a woman in text, hey, I'm going to cook food tonight, and she doesn't respond with that stupid fucking emoji where the tongue's hanging out of its mouth, then that's an alien or a ghost or something, because they all do it. Hello there, beautiful. Nathan swung his arms behind Stephanie, pulling her in gently for a forehead kiss. He had to lean down pretty far, as the difference in their size was substantial. But he managed to hit his target every time. (laughs) She smiled. I haven't even changed out of my work clothes yet, let alone showered. I don't feel very beautiful. He wiggled his bushy, dark eyebrows playfully. Ah, but that just means you're marinated in your wonderful musk. Guys, they said this was a serious porn. (laughs) Okay, all right, all right, I admit I know I've said the same thing. He inhaled deeply, sniffing her head, his scratchy beard tickling her a little bit. She let out a small giggle. You're so weird. He picked her up, twirling, then set her down on the couch. Now, just you relax, and I'll make us some tacos. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Just the idea of, like, I'm going to make tacos, but I'm going to call it Mexican. I don't know. That's like a Trojan horse, right? You could just say, I'm just saying, I'm thinking tacos. Like, you don't need to, you don't need to, you don't need to stealth that up, Nathan. <clears throat> As she curled into her big fuzzy blankets, she glanced over to Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a serious porn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is not a serious porn. A woman. A, a, if if I offer to cook for a woman at a place and we're getting to know each other and she fucking blankets up on me like we're already married for some years, I I mean the tacos and I'm bouncing. She's curling up in one of his blankets while he's making her tacos. This is not romantic. This is year four. This is year four, and you can't afford ribs. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> hey, baby, I'm going to come over to your house tonight. I'm thinking I'm going to have some cheap ground beef that I'm going to season like a motherfucker. You in that? Huh? 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 <clears throat> Here we go. She's under the big fuzzy blanket. She looks over at Nathan. He looked comically large in her tiny kitchen, but it almost made the more the whole scene more endearing. He danced a little while he cooked, rocking his hips to some song in his head while he browned beef and chopped veggies. He was tall enough, and his broad shoulders threatened to run into her cabinets while he worked, but he managed to maintain excellent control of himself Truth be told, the whole scene was pretty precious. After ten minutes or so, he came parading out to her, two plates in hand. For you, my lady. And then he sat next to her on the couch. 
He had to move over a touch. She had to move over a touch as he took up nearly three times as much space as she did. But she didn't mind. It made it easier to cuddle him. I I got pressured into more work today. Nathan put the remote down. A <laughs> heartbroken. A <laughs> heartbroken. <laughs> Nathan, I gotta say, thanks for thanks for taking one for the team. <laughs> uh, Nathan put the remote down, a heartbroken look on his face. Again. She nodded, taking a bite of her soul taco, the only taco on her plate. <laughs> You've got to stand up for yourself, or they're going to keep pushing you around. He rubbed her shoulder... It's easy for you. She took another bite. You're so big and confident. (laughs) All right. All right. It just says taco in the sink. All right. Hold on, guys. I did not read that verbatim. I'll I'll read what it says verbatim. Here's what it said verbatim, all right? She nodded, taking a bite of her taco. Now, to me, that implies that there is but one taco on the plate, right? And because it would be a taco. If there was more than one taco. So he literally, I think he literally made tacos, as in two tacos. <laughs> I'm also real curious about the veggies that he diced up and threw in there. I'm real, 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 real curious what, Nate, what, what veggies he chopped up. And Is it carrots? Is it lima beans? What's in there? He didn't tie up. He didn't chop up peppers. He didn't chop up onions or chilies. Topped up veggies, plural. Is it an okra? <laughs> Is it an okra and acai taco? No, 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 no. Acai is a fucking berry. God damn it! All right, never mind. I can't do it. <clears throat> Uh, she nodded, taking a bite of her taco. You've got to... St- okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. He smiled. It's all about attitude. Not everyone's as big on the inside as they look. He set his plate down on the coffee table. <laughs> I think you've got it in you. She nuzzled up to him, still holding her taco. Thanks, babe. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw his phone light up. It looked like an email notification. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Oh, hey, it looks like you've got a... Her eyes took in the subject line, Mistress Wears. His head snapped to look at it. Oh, oh, what is that? He scooped it up quickly. Must have gotten a damn email list for one of those shops you look at once. Uh, Damn ads. Stephanie didn't respond, choosing to instead quietly eat her taco, something nibbling at the back of her brain insistently as she nibbled her dinner. He never lies to me. As she stared up at her ceiling, Stephanie couldn't let the thought go. He was totally lying, but why? 
She sat up, exasperated. Reaching over and grabbing her laptop, she popped open the lid. The screen cast a pale glow over her in the bed, making her wince momentarily. <laughs> she glanced at the system clock. 3.36 a.m. She groaned. No matter how she tried to put it from her mind, she couldn't take it anymore. She had to know. She opened her browser and slowly typed in the address she'd read on the subject line of the email. M-I-S-T-R-E-S-S-W-A-R-E-S. <laughs> the search pulled up several sites, but one of them matched. She clicked it. <laughs> I'm so glad we got that level of commentary. Oh, that's some world building right there. Okay, all right. They've got Google in this universe. We can rest assured. She covered her mouth in surprise as the page loaded in. It was an e-commerce site. Done very professionally. <laughs> With big, bold font. Mistress wears... For all your dom spelled with an M-E needs. As she scrolled, lists of categories of items filled the screen. Harnesses, crops, chastity cages, gags, binds, and more. She was vaguely aware of BDSM culture, but she wouldn't have an inkling that Nathan would be into this. One thing didn't sit right with her, though. If he wanted to experiment with her, why didn't he just tell her that he wanted to be more dominant? She tried. <laughs> As a man who has had a woman put a stud, put a, put a, a brass studded leather cod piece on him, okay? The idea... That someone's going to go to a DOM, D-O-M-M-E site, with all the plethora of gear that's available, and be like, Huh, I wonder what set of genitals and buttocks this is for. I'm, hmm, I'm really confused. This is really, this could go any direction. I just, I'm really very, very confused about what I'm seeing here and who it's for, what its applications are. <laughs> Uh, she tried thinking back. Nathan's never been overly dominant. Confident and bold, yeah, but not dominant. She continued scrolling, and that's when it clicked. The last item category. Strap-ons. She clicked on it impulsively, opening an enormous menu of options. Harness size, harness styles, adapter sets, and then finally, dick sizes. She gasped audibly. He, he wants me to... She leaned back, her thoughts trying to grapple with this new revelation. It couldn't be true. Her Nathan? A sub. But he's so sure of himself. He always wanted to take control of me. Could he really? I just have to real quick say a line from the movie In and Out, in which a man is is a man is outed uh, as a drama teacher of a high school uh, by one of his former students. Except he's not gay; he's married to a woman. 
So his former drummer student wins an Oscar and he goes, and he's gay to the whole world, but he's not. So Tom Selleck comes to town as an as a reporter, and he's actually quite gay. And he tells Kevin Klein the story about him coming out. And Kevin Klein goes, What what happened to your parents? He goes, Well, my mom cried, and my dad said, But you're so tall. I think it's still one of the funniest fucking things I've ever heard in my fucking life. That's all. That's all. Nathan's really butch, so he can't possibly like that. She opened a tab from YouTube. Maybe it's time to further my kink education. She searched female domination, and immediately there was a plethora of choices. She hovered over one creator, Miss In Control. That just sounds too much like Mission Control. That's amazing. It's only an hour off. They better do something with that. And clicked. It was going to be a long night. T minus 10. With half a pot of coffee in her. And barely a minute to spare. Stephanie had managed to get to work on time. Sitting in her desk right as the clock rolled over to 8 a.m. She felt like she was running on fumes. But she just took the day slow. She knew she would make it through. She just signed into her machine when she heard a familiar voice. God, you look terrible. It was Squidward. Morning, Tom. He slurped his coffee, the dingy white mug hitting his teeth as he did so. Rough night, huh? Nathan keep you up? He winked. Stephanie felt her stomach churn. Did you need something? Yeah, actually, I'm going to need those reports by the end of today. Bill wants them quicker than I thought. Her eyes shot open. I... Tom, there's no way I could... Come on now. You can do it. Tom, I... In her mind, in its frazzled, agitated state, rolled back the surprising comic videos of Miss in Control, her pleasant, calm face illuminated by a ring light as she laid out the steps for enforcing obedience. Remember, they want to know their boundaries. Your pets will crave firm direction, praise, and punishment from you. You don't need to be cruel, only strong. Strong as iron, gentle as a feather. That's the way to make them bend over for you. Her eyes narrowed. She felt a flash of something deep inside her, something pushing up through her willowy, tiny frame. In an instant, She remembered Nathan's words again. I think you've got it in you. (laughs) She took a deep breath and assumed a relaxed expression as she did her best to level off her voice. It was strong but soft. No, Tom. I got a small fraction of a smile on the corner of his mouth. Steph, this isn't an argument. You're, you're right, it isn't. I'm simply not agreeing to do it. Her heart was racing. 
It took everything she had not to crack the facade. Stay strong, stay calm. That's what Miss In Control said. Tom sighed. I really didn't want to put Bill into this, but I guess we got it now. She smiled coldly. You know what, Tom? I agree. Let's go talk to Bill. I think he needs to hear this. Tom's expression changed. Uh, I mean, yeah. Okay. She pushed past him, leading the way down the hall towards Manager Bill's office. She kept her head high, walking with a metered gait. Tom followed behind her. She was terrified, but she felt so alive. She opened Bill's door while simultaneously knocking on it. Morning, Bill. You have a moment to address something? Bill's balding head was angled down towards his desk, trying to read the small print on a document. He glanced up for a moment, his half-rimmed cheaters balancing precariously on his bulbous nose. Sure! Tom here is telling me I'm responsible for the ILP acquisition reports and that they're due by the end of the day. But I'm just not sure that's possible with my given workload. The older man looked at her, then at Tom. Tom, are you that busy with Steve and trainings? Tom nodded nervously. Yeah, there's just a lot going on. Bill shrugged. There's your answer then. I'll need to see those by the end of the day, Steph. She could practically hear Tom's grin. He really thought he'd won. Strong, confident, gently remind them who's in charge, Miss in Control's voice rang out in her head. <clears throat> then I'd like to tender my resignation, Bill. That workload is, quite frankly, unacceptable. Hopefully you'll be able to find someone to replace me in time to get caught up, pick up the department's budget report, and have it done by the 15th. She smiled. Bill expressions fell. Wait, now hold on, Steph. Let's not do anything rash. I'm perfectly lucid. The workload you're proposing isn't feasible, and I'm not going to do it. The only thing that changed is whether or not you get your budget report on time. I know the CFO gets pretty nasty when it's you're in late, so I really would be a shame if you had to hire someone on top of the stress. There was no waver in her voice as she looked him straight in the eye. Bill cleared his throat. Tom, I'm going to need you and Steve to get the reports done. Thank you. Her voice sounded practically melodious. After turning on her heel to leave, she stopped for a moment and whispered to Tom, The next time you try something like that, I won't be nice then continued back to her desk. Taking a seat in her cubicle, she let out a massive sigh of relief. She couldn't stop herself from grinning. The rush, the feeling of control, it was intoxicating. Thank you, Miss In Control, she whispered to herself. Stephanie was giddy. What? What? No! 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 Stephanie was giddy. She sat on her couch, glass of wine in hand, texting Nathan. The next day had been such a rush, a complete eye-opening experience. She felt like the queen of everything. She was already opening her phone's browser to go back to Mistress Wares. Scrolling through the list of items, she found what she was looking for. Grinning wickedly, she made her purchase. 
just in time for the text notification to come down. Hopefully, he'll get here on time, she thought, taking another sip. The end. You don't get any sex. You don't get any sex. You don't get, you don't get this, you don't get this. This is a story about how a boyfriend made a woman a taco, said one kind of supportive thing while flipping through the channels, and he made her the most powerful woman in the world. <laughs> We've done that before. There was that one story about the single mom. Remember from years ago? There was the one story about the single mom that went on and on and on. And then the sex was like five fucking cents. <laughs> we had we had information about what the local town diner was at in that fucking story. Oh, man. When that reveal came. Oh. <sighs> All right. So if you suggested that one and you entered in, thank you very much for doing it. I'm very sorry that as a man, I did not read that as a serious piece. But between the office space vibes of the boss and the fact that it took so long to get things a-going, uh, it didn't feel very sexy. And I was right. Mm -mm -mm. Also, just one quick note. If I say I want to get domed by a woman or I want to get domed, that doesn't mean you have to peg me. Just to be clear, and if I dominate you as a man, I don't have to fuck you up the ass either. Just just to be clear, domination is not based in the anal cavity. Okay? That's that's not how it works. Just I just, <laughs> just there's there's a lot of room in between there. Some subs don't even want to be spanked. Now I don't understand it, but it's true they exist. <laughs> All right. Just because that one kind of ended so suddenly, we have to do one more. I really want to get through this one, so on our way out tonight, smoke them if you got them. Tip me. Tip me if you want to the whole goddamn thing. And here we go. Uh, one more chapter of... The Bad Boy is a Werewolf, which I want to say is a different title every single time. Uh, I, I want to I make it like My Boyfriend, the High School Werewolf, My Werewolf Boyfriend, uh, <laughs> Teen Wolf, but not a comedy version. <clears throat> what the fuck is going on with these hands? What? Zoltan? From what? Was that in the story? I don't recall the hands. Oh, man. Dude, where's my car? <laughs> oh, shit. All right. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> in a world where knowledge is something people try to bury, once uncovered, secrets begin to be revealed. Things a person never thought would have existed come to life. Things a person never thought they'd see blind them. Like always, the same gray, icy blue eyes seem to give me comfort, even in darkness. What happened here? <laughs> okay, hold on. <clears throat> sorry, 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 sorry. There was a long ellipsis. That was fun. 
<laughs> what the fuck? All right, I'm just trying to figure out who's talking. <laughs> Give me a second here. Apparently, it's going to be several paragraphs before you find out. Okay. What happened here? Didn't I tell you no harm was to come to my mate? Your Luna! A powerful voice erupted, waking me up. I didn't want to wake up yet. I didn't want the dream to end. The dream of wolves. Believe me, I didn't make her faint. She just fainted from all the, ugh, I don't know, stress. The second voice said in fear. His voice was shaky. My eyes snapped open, and I was blinded by the lights. I hissed as I shut my eyes tighter. <laughs> Victoria? I heard a voice, a sexy voice. Please, let it be. I was abducted by sexy people. Uh, <laughs> I swear, I swear to Christ, if... You, somebody needs to get this fucking script to the guy who does the, the Tina voice from Bob's Burgers. Because if she was just talking about butts, it would be perfect. I mean, that's... This, <laughs> I hope I was abducted by people. Sexy people. Oh, my God. It would fucking kill. <laughs> <clears throat> I opened my eyes only to his lovely eyes. Sultan, I questioned a smile. And appeared on his face. Yeah, it's me. And you're finally awake. He said with some relief in his voice. Did I die? Or was I out for a million years or something? How long was I out? I questioned, fearing the answer. What if my parents were dead? for a year. What? What? We tried waking you up, but there was no way. But now you're finally up. He said, What? I'm kidding. Your reactions are so cute. You've been out for two hours. You're at my house. He smiled. <laughs> she got us all. <laughs> she got us all, little Christy, little teenage Christy, Agatha Christie. Look at that shit. Mm -mm. Hey, if I if I if I have the characters lie when they're giving the information to the audience, I bet I can trick the audience. Mm. <laughs> Aren't I clever, <clears throat> Zoltan? I had the weirdest dream. There were wolves, and. You were a wolf, too. Not that I'm saying it was anything bad, but... Damn, you looked good. Anyway, these guys were there, and... It wasn't a dream, was it? I questioned him, realizing... No, it wasn't. He said, When were you going to tell me that you're a... Wolf? I asked him. He looked at me. When I finally married you... He said. I stared at him wide-eyed. Was he serious? I chuckled at his reply and shook my head. Get some rest. He smiled. I nodded and let my head hit the pillows. I picked up my phone 
only to see messages from my parents. Oh my god, this is amazing. <clears throat> Going to Canada for a few weeks. See you when we get back. <laughs> god! The day they actually stay away from me would be my day. Angels fall from heaven. I let out a groan through my phone on the bedside stand. Ugh! I turned around and let a tear, like a single taco on a plate, fall. I really want my parents back. Letting out a sigh, I let my eyes close and my body fall into a dark abyss of nothingness. I let my blanket fall onto the bed after fixing it. The smell of food had tickled my nose, capturing my attention. I opened the door and followed my senses down the stairs. Oh, God. It was getting more enticing, more arousing. Food was definitely life. I walked to the kitchen towards a set-down plate. I dug in and let my taste buds swim in joy. A throat cleared itself behind me as I turned around to see many pairs of eyes set on Mr. No One Made a Sound. <laughs> That sounds like an amazing title. Many pairs of eyes set on Mr. No One Made a Sound. I would watch, if that was a Charlie Kaufman, I would watch it. Everyone looked at me, they eyes wide with surprise, way to make a first impression, nor even a cough was heard. Ha ha, hi, I said awkwardly. Soon I heard footsteps coming down in a hurry. Zoltan's eyes caught mine, and he let a sigh of, I think, relief. He rushed up to me, engulfing me in a hug. I thought something happened to you, he said. I don't think he noticed the eyes looking at us. He then turned around to the men sitting there. There were only two girls amongst them. A quiet moment passed before squeals were heard. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the Luna, it's her, she's so beautiful. Ah! They said and ran towards me, poking me to see if I was real, and then let out another squeal. The N walked back, them, and wrapped their arms around their waist, pulling them away from me. I guess they were mates. Nice to meet you, Luna. I'm Claire. The girl was short. Okay, a bit shorter than me. She had blonde hair. The tips were dyed pink. The other girl poked me. She was a bit taller. She had wavy chocolate brown hair that flowed down to her back. She simply waved. <laughs> She's Ariana. She doesn't talk much. Claire introduced. <laughs> Don't need female characters in this story. Hi. Nice to meet you guys. I'm Victoria. I introduced myself with a smile. She's so nice. We're going to be the best of friends. She tackled me and pulled me into a hug. Friends? I never thought I'd even have them. It makes me kind of happy. All right, guys. Next week, Chapter 8, titled insane imagination along with your requests your poems your love letters and all the rest and if i can find one decent fun news story in this world that too otherwise just keep going and just keep surviving 
We're rolling it right along. Hey, I would love your requests for the podcast and Patreon pieces. Why don't you send them to me? I'm pretty good at coming up with fantasies, but, you know, I'm also batting a lot out, so that would be my number one request this week. If you've ever had me want to do a piece, let me know. All right, guys. Thank you very, 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 very much for listening. I had a good time. I know you did as well. I will see you here next week. Enjoy the podcast and all the rest. Bye. Bye.